got to hold and give and do it at the right time. And the right time is now to listen to a podcast about the football, which John Barnes was singing about all the way back in 1990 when he was speaking about holding and giving. He wasn't talking about intercourse. Uh, I am Ross Tweddle from Hold and Give. I got an email this week saying, oh, no, it was a comment on a video actually saying, I subscribed to this channel thinking it was about intercourse. Then it turned out to be football. But I've stayed subscribed anyway, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> I mean, if if we're keeping them hooked in somehow, I say we. <laughs> that's a tiny like, phrase, isn't it? <laughs> ah, well, let's roll with it. Well, it, t- it takes all sorts to make the world, doesn't it? Can I just say, I don't know if it's two different walls of the same room that you've been sort of locked in for the past several months, but the background is looking sensational at the moment. I have turned my laptop like thirty degrees. I got this room was a bomb site. It's the same room. I was just waiting to get a bookcase, and I got one off. Facebook Marketplace for 20 quid last week. Got all my stuff on it. Got some shelves up. Still need to do the side of the room you can't see, but we're happy. It doesn't matter if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. But Jack Atkins, did you know that Theo Walcott has more Champions League goals than the likes of Zinedine Zidane, Ronaldo, the original one, the one that some people call the fat one, Miroslav Klose, David Villa, Alexis Sanchez, and Eden Hazard? I did not. That's... That's quite the quite the list. It is incredible. Theo Walcott scored 15 goals uh, for Arsenal in the competition in the Champions League, and that is more than all of those people there. I can't believe for Ronaldo especially that's a thing, but I checked down the Wikipedia article of the top scorers in Champions League history, which went down to 24 goals, and he wasn't in that collection of people, so I just assume it's correct. <laughs> just blighted by injuries, wasn't he? Um, but, I mean... Saying that about Theo Walcott, did he score a volley in the final like Zidane? Oh, he did not. He did not, did he? I can't remember. Any. He scored, a, I'll tell you one goal he did score, though. He scored a wonderful goal. Oh, no, it was an assist, wasn't it? Away at the Reds, where he did like the slalom skier run from one end of the pitch yeah. to the other. Yeah. He, he was He was good. He was good in his day, wasn't he? And then just, just did. I was going to say he dropped off a cliff, but he didn't really. He just kind of stayed there, but just. Turned normal. I, I never liked. I never liked him. Me. Never liked Theo Walcott. I always said, used to, like back in the day when he was playing, like at the top level for Arsenal, I'd be like, if he had no pace, it'd be in League One. I thought he was crap. <laughs> wow, damning words there from Ross <laughs> about <laughs> someone who scored more times than Miroslav Klose, <laughs> David Vera, Alexis Sanchez, Eden Hazard. Uh, but I always, because he always used to be the thing, like, oh, Arsene Wenger, why aren't you playing me through the middle? I'll tell you why, Theo, because you can't finish your dinner, you little hungry boy. Do you think that call, that early call up by Sven, got to his head a little bit, or do you think it put him on a pedestal that he hadn't reached? If you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean, and I do think that's right. It's imagine being sixteen, right? We're all Bertie big bollocks to a certain extent when we're sixteen because we haven't experienced the real world and the sharp cliff you fall off when you do experience the real world. So the fact he's getting called up for England at sixteen, I'm surprised his head didn't actually explode. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. a po- there's, there's, there's nothing more to add to that. I'm trying to. I'm just thinking of me at 16. I was a little grab. If you would have said to me you're playing for England despite having no football and prowess at all, my head would have gone straight off my arse. <laughs> and you can't do that now because we are old. <laughs> no, definitely not. I could, 
I can barely see my nether regions anymore. And speaking of the nether regions, you want to remove yourself from the nether regions of the Hold and Give Fantasy Football Football League, which is now live. Everybody, Jack, and still hasn't joined. I'm waiting for that day to happen. I hope it happens very soon indeed. I'll put the link to the, fan- uh, the Hold and Give Fantasy Football League in the description of both the YouTube and the Spotify shares of this very podcast. So please get yourself in because there might be a prize, but I don't want to promise anything because I'm a useless mess. Why aren't you in the league, Jarkins? Because um, I haven't clicked the link yet. I made a I made a tertiary team the other day. Um, I tried setting the name as Marco Van Bastard and got told I couldn't. Um, so <laughs> I didn't know they reject. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, imagine yeah. if they didn't reject the name. Some of the things you would read. Oh God, yeah. I mean, I, I think half my mates would be in prison. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I've I've always been slick slick McCarthy. Slick McCarthy will be back. I'll probably be propping up the relegation zone because, as we all know from this podcast, I don't go on stats. I don't study the game. I go on feeling. I go on heart. You're the only man in the world who manages to pick Ian Rush somehow in FPL 2023-2024 season. Of course I do, yeah. I cheat the system and it still backfires on me. I'll tell you what, though, I've changed my name this year. Me, me and my girlfriend had a joint effort last season. We were the cheesy Ineachos. But now he's not in the Premier League, obviously. I need to change the name. So I've gone for a career hybrid, like the football and the wrestling coming together for one name. And I've gone for Helen Lascelles. Ooh, very nice. Jamal Lascelles. Helen Lascelles. That makes more sense. Why did I say Lascelles? Jamal Lascelles. You, 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 you've been very Welsh in the start of this for some reason. What makes you say that? I can't see one of those little biscuits with the raisins in for any distance here. What are they called? I can't remember. I made them in in their uh, home economics class back in school one year. I remember them. What were they called? Little like little scony things with little raisins in. I don't know, but that's a fantastic tangent. <laughs> imagine because I'm imagining you in traditional Welsh dress now with like the big hat and like the pinny thing and little flag but making these little raisiny biscuits I forget what they're called let me know in the comments down below if you remember I tell you what though the most egregious thing I ever did in home economics class we made a lovely tuna pasta bake once and at the end of term we could amalgamate certain things we made throughout the term and make our own creation so I made that cheesy tuna pasta bake thingy but then I had I was a big fan of the Simpsons at the time and made a licorice Homer Simpson on top of the tuna cheesy pasta bake just imagine like strings of licorice with like making Homer Simpson outline of his head that was on top of the cheese on top of the tuna on top of the pasta that sounds disgusting it was it didn't work at all <laughs> I don't know what I was smoking back when I was 13 years of age but it wasn't healthy anyway uh, some people who are subscribed I'm trying to I'm just thinking about that Homer Simpson now it was disgusting uh, subscribers to the Holden Gear Football YouTube channel will have seen a video that went live yesterday as we are sat here on Wednesday August the 9th and that was my predictions for the 2023-2024 football season as a whole obviously I am sat opposite now the oracle that is Jack Atkins so I'm going to throw the categories I used in that video last night towards Jack Atkins and see if he picks the same stuff in fact I'm not going to say what I picked you have to go and watch the video because that's how youtubers work we're all bastards jack atkins who is going to win the premier league it's 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 manchester city isn't it do you think there's a case for arsenal now that manchester city as we're sat here haven't yet replaced riyad mahrez and haven't yet gone like for like with gundawan in the middle like that goal scorer and assist making midfielder no um i don't think i'll be surprised if arsenal push city again I think they'll get top four handily, but I just think last year was a kind of, not a perfect storm, but 
it just right, right place, right time sounds like I'm just like being like, oh, go, you gave it a good go. But I think I was surprised by Arsenal last season. I think the the signings they've made are very positive, and I think that their spot in the top four will be cemented for the next few years now, unless something completely cocks up. But I just can't see them top one city. I was thinking they'd strengthened really well in the summer, thinking to play Havertz like in one of the three positions behind the centre forward. Mm. I know that Gabriel Jesus is injured currently, but to see uh, Havertz in that false nine centre forward role that made me worried for Arsenal because he can't, uh, he's like a, he's like a Theo Walcott. He's a hungry boy. He can't finish his dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so he's yeah. So he's like Theo Walcott, right? Uh, this is the Theo Walcott episode of the uh, Holding Gift podcast. This is any footballers who can't score a goal, they are just like Theo Walcott. Just like Theo Walcott, yeah. Uh, but what do you make of Havertz playing that false nine centre forward hybrid thing? I mean, it's. I haven't seen any of Arsenal's preseason apart from, you know, the charity shield, of community shield, still the charity shield in my heart. Yeah, I wasn't convinced. I've always liked Havertz. I think he got a bit of a raw deal at Chelsea, um, mainly from the fans. They, especially last season, they hated him. Um, and when he signed for Arsenal, I thought that's a really good sign. And like you said, with um, Jesus being out, this probably isn't the formation he wanted to go with, but I don't know. It, it's, they've already got a positive result in the bag so I can't see them diverting too much from the script I think they're just going to push with it until it doesn't work and I have to ask you now for your top six as a whole we're not going right, to do so the top... whole league because who gives a toss about who finishes 12th I've seen YouTubers yeah. do this who give... how can you predict that anyway how does that even work nah. as a prediction it's just a guess who's the top six going to be top six in first Man City mm-hmm. second and third are interchangeable no, no, no. You've got to nail your flag to a particular mast, young man. Don't you try and be sneaky with me. Well, <laughs> this this was the second way round I got it, but I'm going Liverpool second just because it's oh, in my heart. Yeah, I originally had them in third and Arsenal in second, but I think, obviously, we'll come on to it later. We're still a bit lacking, but we... In the last few seasons, we'll have a high and then a low, and then a high and then a low. So if, if history is going to repeat itself, this season will be a high. You're like the little family from Stuart Little. Exactly. Just a little high, you know. a little ho. Ah, it's a little ho, is it? Not a little ho. Stuart Little's not a little ho. What am I doing now, Jarkins? Talk some words about Liverpool. I've just ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe you've got Stuart Little ho. Um, <laughs> I, I think Liverpool will be will have enough to be in a mix, but I don't think we'll have enough for a title challenge this season. Um, I do think it'll be Liverpool and Arsenal scrapping in for second. So uh, yeah, so I've I've gone for like I said, I'm nailing my calls to the mast. Liverpool second, Arsenal third, uh, Man United fourth. Uh, love them or hate them, upward trajectory still a work in progress, but they seem to be moving in the right directions. They've improved their team from last season, especially, I think, as well, with a goalkeeper. Uh, yeah. Mason Mount, I guess, is an upgrade on, you know, if you're going to play McTominay or Fred in there, I still think Mason Mount's a better player than them. So I can see them doing quite well this season as well. Bastards. Yeah. The bastards. <laughs> Talking about bastards, in fifth, I'm going for Chelsea. Mm. Um, unburdened by Europe. They'll need to be pushing on, especially after all the sales they did last year. Some of the names they've been linked with uh, this window as well. It looks... Seems as though um, Moises Casado is going to end up there, which would be hell of a signing. And I think sixth, I think it's going to be Newcastle United. Oh, um, 
it's an it's it's a very important season for you. I think this season's more important than last season because you've set out your stall now. There's certain expectations. I think top six will be. I think being set as a minimum is a bit too harsh for Eddie Howe, but I think that will be like the un the unspoken thing within that dressing room, if you know what I mean. Um, I think you'll scrape it. I don't think it'll be easy, but and it all depends on um, how Newcastle's cup runs go, but. Yeah, I'm going City first, Liverpool second, Arsenal third, Man U fourth, Chelsea fifth, Newcastle sixth. Massive. No Villa, no Brighton there? No Spurs? No, well, uh, I think Villa will have a good season. I'm still not convinced by Spurs. Brighton, obviously, if, um, like you're saying then, they've already lost McAllister's gone, Moise Caseda might be going, so that they'll need to hope that the rest of the team continues that momentum with some new faces in there. You know, I think of it at the mid-table finish. Because they've got Europe as well, which is going to absolutely hamstring them, you would assume. Like it does for everybody playing on a Thursday night. Um, yeah. Hopefully it doesn't for Liverpool. Hey, hey, hey. Back hey, on Thursdays, hey. back on Channel 5. Is it still on Channel? No, it's on BT. But Sorry, TNT Sport now, isn't it? TNT. Oh, TNT. the TNT. Explosive. Who will, be, or who will go down? Who is your three teams to get relegated from the Premier League? Uh, in no particular order. Um, Nottingham Forest. Oh, yeah. It's it's between them and the Ev. I don't think the Ev are going to go down. I think they're unkillable. They're just this weird thing that won't die despite signing no one, despite signing Ashley Young. But I think Forrest, um, I'm surprised they stayed up last season. Um, I'm also going Sheffield United because they've got no what money. What are they doing? By the way, I'm having a look yesterday. I've got a Sheffield United fan I went to uni with. Selling their best player to Burnley currently in Sander Berg and selling their former best player from last season then died to Marseille. They want to go down. <laughs> how do you, why would you get rid of Sander Berg? It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think they're going straight down. I wouldn't be surprised if they're flat bottom. Mm. And I think they're going to be joined by Luton Town. They just... Out of the three that have come up, they just feel there. Obviously, Burnley dominated the championship last season. Uh, Vincent Company has proven at that level anyway that he's a good manager. I think they have the quality to stay up. I think Luton will just be, like I said, just there. But yeah, Forest, Sheffield United and Luton Town to go down. Yeah, I think Luton will get a few good results at the start of the season, but I think once everything's bedded in, it'll be like... I'm not, I only said Huddersfield Town, though, because... They stayed up there first season because that makes complete sense for us. But you know what I'm trying to say? Once people's worked them out, I think it'll be a long old season for them. The da- Sorry, the, the Premier League top goal scorer. Who are you picking for that one, Jack Atkins? Oh, who do you think? <laughs> it's it's going to be Haaland again, isn't it? I yeah, mean, probably. Will he break his records from last season? Does it really matter? He's just getting... He's, He's a freak of nature, isn't he? So I was going to say, is there a case to be made that maybe Gundogan being that link between the midfield and the strikers not being there? I know they played Alvarez in sort of a similar role to what Gundogan was doing, maybe a little bit more forward than what Gundogan was. Is the fact that Gundogan's not going to be there maybe a case to say that the supply chain might not be as good as it was? Quality is quality at the end of the day. I know that, like you were saying, a big supply chain makes all the difference, but it's, it's Haaland. I think he's going to just have, at least this season... And then maybe one more season at City and then I think he'd be off again. So I think he's just going to... He just keeps getting better and better, doesn't he? And it's horrible. I think I saw something the other day saying that he's still growing technically as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, six foot four is not enough, of course. I need yeah. to rock back up the preseason training because I've been watching those uh, like Inside City videos on YouTube. Because I, I find it quite entertaining how the players like interact with each other. Like Erlen Haaland sat there getting a massage, and he's got his hair plaited like a twelve-year-old girl just back home from Mallorca. <laughs> that sort of haircut. And Jack Grealish walks in with a thick Brummy accent and goes something like, "All right, Nick." Chuck, how's it going? You're right. I'm just like, I never thought they would interact like that, Erling Haaland and Jack Grealish, but they do, and it's wonderful to see. <laughs> it's yeah, they, they, you know, they're they're bosom buddies now. They're close friends. Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. I wouldn't be surprised if Grealish rocks up with some like little lovely plaits for the for the start of the season. Hey, his his hair is now more normal this preseason. He's had the the sort of Alice band bend it like Beckham, Kira Knightley look taken away. And he's just sort of mm. got like a large quiff. Yeah, I, I used to I used to love rocking uh, rocking an Alice band when playing footy. It made me feel like I gave an extra ten percent. And I bet you look like a bearded Patrick Berger while doing so. I look like a bearded Berger at least. <laughs> Who's going to be the dark horse of the Premier League this season in terms of teams? Who's your dark horse team? I don't. It's it's not really. You're going to go ah, they're not a dark horse, but it's Aston Villa. I think they'll just miss out on the top six, but I, I think they're going to have a good cup run or two. Um, obviously, the tail end of last season, they looked fantastic. You and I, Emery's completely transformed them. Some of the signings they've made as well. I think this will be a really good season. Not similar to, not season just gone, season before, West Ham. The way West Ham were absolutely storming it and then just kind of dropped off. I think Villa will build upon last season go really close like I said I think it'll be between Villa and Newcastle for the for the sixth um, spot I need well, to make an apology yeah. for my season predictions video because I was speaking about Villa and I was like, oh yeah, they signed uh, they signed Bailey from Bayern Munich this summer. He's a really good player. I meant Diaby from Leverkusen, the guy who got linked with Newcastle for about two straight years. I got his name and his team wrong. I should be sacked. I mean, you, you wouldn't get like flagrant misrememberings or uh, wrong information from Jack Atkins here on the Holding Good podcast now, would you? No, so. you certainly wouldn't, Pepe Arena, who, by the way, he I plays for Villarreal. Is he still going? I remember he, he came up with some very right wing stuff on Twitter a while back. What? A bit like, <laughs> yeah, he's a bit. He, he's a bit. Uh, he's a bit of an angry man. But I saw some of my mates the other day, and they're asking how work's been, and I had to mention it. I was like, I forgot Pepe Reina's name on a podcast <laughs> the other day while talking to my mate, and I'd seen his missus uh, a few days beforehand from across the road walking the dog. And as I was going to tell him that I'd seen his missus, I forgot his, his girlfriend's name. And they've been together for five years, and I know her very well. And then after, I even said to him, I was like, I've forgotten her name. I'm sorry, I've been terrible recently. Don't tell her. <laughs> so You need to go to the doctors, I think. What's wrong with you? I really Like, Sean was just there laughing, just saying, Jesus, wept. But... I'm just getting, I'm just getting bad. I'm just getting old. Just in case you wonder how Pepe Reina got on, it was in the Cellar Cup uh, presented by Visit Malta in the final. Well, I guess the, the last group game, which you know the winner won the entire competition. Uh, he got humped four 0 by Newcastle. Mm. I don't, I couldn't believe he was still playing. No, I'm holding out. Is he? Is he forty? Yet? He must be near it. I remember when he was alone at Villa, like the the lockdown season, and he looked gone yeah. then. Oh, let me type his name into Google. Uh, Pepe Reina. Pepe Reina is 40 years. He's nearly 41. He's 41 on the on transfer deadline day. Yeah. That's... It's 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 a madness because it feels like such a world away when he played for Liverpool. But in the I, grand scheme of things, you know, in, in football years, it seems like 100 years ago. But in, well, reality, probably, what, 
less than a decade, if that. He must have left in 2013, because that's when he got Mignolet, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when we got, yeah, Mignolet from Sunderland. Sunderland, who lost to Crew last night. and <laughs> There was 10,000 fans in their stadium, and they got beat by Crew at home. <laughs> that was wonderful. Anyway, the first Premier League manager sacking were not counting Lopetegui. He left by mutual consent today he's been replaced by Gary O'Neill on a three year contract he's landed on his feet but more on him a little bit later who will be the first manager sacking after the season has started uh, I think it's going to be Steve Cooper of Nottingham Forest ooh it, it's one of those like, you hate Forest don't you <laughs> owners are just so fickle that you, it, it just seems like they, especially with those teams that are in the the lower half of the table, that they'll just sack at the drop of a hat, and they're just like, oh, it, even though he kind of like steadied the ship towards the end of last season, the the, the second they get a couple of poor um, performances on the run, I think he'll be the first on the chopping block, just because it is that cutthroat. Can I throw something at you that might make you change your mind? When there was all the rumours of him leaving last season, they penned him to a new contract until twenty twenty five. And that was signed when they were bottom of the well, near the bottom of the table last season. Yeah, but as we know, you know, money means nothing to Nottingham Forest somehow. So <laughs> they're probably just in a different mood, aren't they? I don't know now because they've got Chris Wood on the books, so they paid fifteen million pound for, but now want to sell immediately already for some reason. <laughs> Who knows what's going on in the uh, in the heady heady streets of Nottingham? <laughs> now let's go to the other domesticate. Domesticate domesticated there the domesticated cups the ones that live at home locked in a house uh, the Carabao Cup Chelsea what makes you say that no Europe works in their favour um, I think they'll just be looking for any silverware this season to kind of it'd be like don't worry we're, we're, we're not in crisis it is a cup uh, yeah I think Chelsea for the Carabao what about Pochettino who wins nothing all of the time well wow. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? I'm just but, playing devil's advocate to be an arsehole towards you. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was just that when I was looking at the, the list of questions, it was the first one that jumped out at me. I think that Chelsea. I think I've gotten finishing fifth in the Premier League. I think they will still not be where we expect Chelsea to be. But yeah, fifth, fifth place in a in a Carabao Cup after what happened last season I'd be taking that as a Chelsea fan oh, at the big minimum, time. as a minimum yeah I hope that story that was doing the rounds on like your lad bibles and stuff earlier this week comes to fruition though there was an adult website you know Chelsea's shirt currently doesn't have a sponsor there was an adult website I can't remember which one it was I don't think it was one of the not your porn hubs of your world not your, your tip tops your ex your ex hamsters and stuff like that <laughs> they were going to try and sponsor Chelsea this season I thought it would be a great idea yeah but I, I, I Someone probably would have put the kibosh on that if it was real. Where are you going for your adult material? <laughs> what sort of a question is that? Are you going to your porn hubs and your X videos? As I'm trying to remember now, many years it's... ago, your teenage years on the internet, great times. <laughs> the, many, the many years ago. Um, <laughs> it was Torrance back in my day. That's, that's how... What? Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know my way around the internet. I'd just be like, oh, uh, can I see a bum? Yeah. So, so you would have to type in what exactly you were looking for. You couldn't just have a little browse and a peruse of the titles and then you'd have to actively download the video. A browse and a peruse? Like I've got a catalogue and a smoking jacket and be like, oh, I see that, I don't know. Big Gobs 3 seems quite good. <laughs> Big Gobs 3. There must be a video called that. Let us know in the comments down below if you want to search that on your machine. Uh, but yeah, exactly. Smoking jacket, you know, cigar in hand, sunglasses on. 
I'd treat myself, yeah. <laughs> Is that what you used to have to do in Cryable? You know, Barry White on the radio, a bit of cocoa butter, everyone's happy. <laughs> that went too far. Uh, the FA Cup. Man City. Yeah, I think Man City as well. Pep takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. He loves the FA Cup. Champions League. Another boring one, Real Madrid. I went for them as well. I know I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to tell anybody anything I picked, but I went for Madrid as well. I think it feels like all the, the planets are aligning with Carlo maybe going to Brazil at the end of this coming season. Obviously, Bellingham arriving and you look, yeah, Gula from, uh, I know he got injured uh, and it's going to be out for a little while, but once he's back after Christmas, oh, 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 that midfield. There's just, there's too much quality in that midfield. It's it's frightening because they're all about 14 years old as well. Yeah. Um, um, again, unless the wheels fall off, I think it's going to be in Madrid. Europa League? It's going to be Jürgen Klopp's Mustard Reds. Um, as I've written here, again, unless some major cock-ups happen, um, and it depends, again, who, who drops down into the league as well, but the finals in Dublin as well. So I think like the... Oh, the my Irish God, team. that's where you're all from anyway. <laughs> I, I think I'm the only person in Merseyside who's got no Irish in them. I'm a, I'm a little Welsh boy. Oh, Sorry. a bit south rather than west. Aye, west. Um, yeah. what, what's the saying? Is it is it a scouser is an Irishman who could swim, or is an Irishman a scouser who could swim? What which way around is it? I think it's a scouser is an Irishman who could swim. I've never heard that before. But I quite like it. <laughs> I used to live with a scouser. I've heard them all. I've heard them all. The walls, the yeah. the swimming Irishman, all the all the all the sayings. Uh, the Conference League to round things off. Everyone's favourite competition. Uh, Aston Villa. I went for them as well. Yeah, I think, like I was saying before, I think they'll have some good cup runs. Um, they've got the quality to go all the way. And like we were saying before, Unai Emery, he's, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? He's not just like chanced upon this by luck. He's, he's a good manager. He's a bastard away away from home, especially in Europe as well. He bloody loves it, so he does. I remember getting laughed out of our office at work when I predicted uh, towards the tail end of last season in the Premier League, Liverpool won, Aston Villa won, because Emery loves away days. And I got laughed at. But what happened? It was 1-1. Liverpool got a last-minute equaliser. Probably Firmino, I think it was. His farewell yeah, goal. I was going to say, did, did I laugh? I was, I was probably got, I was well gone by then, wasn't I? Yeah. 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 Just fast asleep in the corner. That's what you mean by that. Um, Clive, you know what? We can't say his surname, but there he is on the other side of the camera. It's time for your new hip-hop and happening segment on the Hole and Gear Football podcast. Clive F, on this day, IP freely. What happened on this day in football history? So it is the day of recording broadcast, August 9th, 2023. But let's uh, let's picture the scene, if you will. August 9th, 1947. <laughs> Croydon. A woman strains and pushes, encouraged by medical professionals, and she goes through the arduous but natural miracle of childbirth. The strains are soon replaced by the cries of a newborn baby. Congratulations, it's a boy, said the midwife, handing over the new child. What will you call him? I know, said the mother. <laughs> we'll call him Roy. Roy Hodgson? It's got a ring to it, that's for sure, said the father, beaming with pride. <laughs> I now want to know what Roy's mum and dad were called. Hang on, talk about yourself. <laughs> well, I, I found out by doing this that Roy Hodgson's full name is Roy Hodgson. He doesn't <laughs> get a middle name. He's not Royston. He's just Roy Hodgson. But it's uh, it's Roy Hodgson's birthday. Oh, my God. His father was called Bill and was a Newcastle United fan who worked as a bus driver south of the River Thames. <laughs> Mini Magpie Roy, I'm surprised. <laughs> 
and we'll apparently call him ja- Jackie Milburn Hodgson, <laughs> <laughs> one of Hodgson's schoolmates. Um, sorry, I've just I've, 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 I thought I was getting confused by John Ruskin. I was like, who's John Ruskin? But that's the grammar school he was at. I'm talking nonsense again. But yeah, Roy Hodgson's birthday. How old does that make him then? 1947, 50, 70, 74. <laughs> Six. Eighties in the seventies. Nineteen forty seven. He's an old man. Yeah, seventy six. Yeah, he'd be seventy six. Yeah. Up yeah. the Hodgson. Uh, 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 He's a great man. Managing Crystal Palace this season. I'm sure they'll do yeah. well with the, the new free flow and sexy football that Roy brought to the table last season. He's not very popular around these parts, but you know, I was surprised when they, they coaxed them back out of retirement because when he finally retired, we're like, yeah, it's for the best. He's, he's very old and tired. And they're yeah. like, do you want to come back? Do he you had, want to come back, he had that horrible yeah, time did. at Watford as well, didn't he? Which seemed to be like, yeah. oh, it's just petering out now his career. He's getting old. Let him have a let him have a sit down and a cup of tea. Maybe get the old uh, the old uh, coconut butter out and a, a little torrent on the internet. Let's have him. <laughs> Look at Big Gobs 3, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, he turned it around, didn't he, at Palace last season? I think he, him being there, he earned it. He earned it, so he yeah. did. And, and they seem to like him. It's just like, your, it's just like your little old granddad, isn't it? You, you can't, like I said, some dislike towards him for what he did at Liverpool, but you can't fully hate Roy Hodgson. He's not a hateable man. He's just just Roy. I'd forgotten that. I, obviously, I knew he'd had a stint at Inter manager. I'd forgotten that he'd had two stints there as well until I was reading it up. Yeah. yeah, was it both in the 90s, was it? Or was one before the 90s? No, both in the 90s. I think one was like something daft, like maybe 93, well, <laughs> one like 99. I don't know, but yeah, two stints, two stints at Intermar. Fair enough. Up the Roy. What what else happened on this day, please, Jarkins? It's, it's not a, a great footballing date, but in 1997, it was the opening day of the Premier League and Coventry beat Chelsea 3-2 thanks to a Dion Dublin hat-trick. <laughs> so... <laughs> Every time I hear his name now, just one thing flashes through my head, and that is the stairs leading up to the bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> I like the on double. I, I like him as well. He's got like second career on homes under the hammer. Um, one thing on August 9th, though, it is an unlucky date for Man United as they lost the charity shield to Arsenal in 1998, 3 0, and to Chelsea in 2009. It was 2 2 at full time. Chelsea won 4 1 the penalty shootout. Oh. Good day then. Good day for all mm. concerned. Um, mm. We now move on from uh, Clive FIP freely to the weekly news in the and it's in the professional wrestling. There, I'm not awake yet today. Anyway, big football news breaking this afternoon. Just before we came to record this very nonsense today, Ross Barkley has joined Luton on a free transfer after leaving Nice or Nice, as the French might say. He will be wearing the number six shirt. Luton haven't revealed how long the contract is for. I would assume it's going to be a year. Can you believe he's only 29 years of age? The pictures of him as well, because you sent me like a grainy picture which looked like it had been leaked. It looked like he... a, lie, a, a Love Island advert to me. Just yeah. his, his face. It doesn't doesn't move like a human's anymore. There was, sor- <laughs> there was sorrow in his eyes as well. He was just like, oh. Um, I honestly thought he'd end up back at Everton so they must have cocked up royally to not get him back um, do you remember that time I think it was when he was at Everton when he shaved his head one week and the next week he had a full head of hair again <laughs> I can't remember that I remember him being bald but I can't remember the growth being that quick it was rapid everyone just went hang on wasn't he bald I don't think it was a week but it, it felt like the next time we saw him he just had like a full quaff um, good I was going to say good signing for Luton but I uh, 
You don't know, don't do know. you? He's never, ever nah. since he left the EV, he's never nailed down a position in any team he's played in. He continued to get in the England squad for years, which was a bit baffling for me, but he always seemed to do quite well, uh, especially for Roy Hudson's England team. Um, but I think going to Luton is the ideal thing for him because you would assume he's going to be the main man. Like the sort of, um, <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, he's going to be the Morgan Gibbs White of Luton this season. You know what I'm trying to say, though? The main linchpin, like Lincoln, midfield and attack. I was thinking that last year for Lingard when he went to Forest, thinking, oh, this is, you know, I thought he was a fool to not go back to, he was at West Ham, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a fool to not go back there. And I thought, oh, Forest, well, you know, he's he's a good enough player, especially when the spotlight's on him, and he was okay. I think, like we said, we don't know until we, we see him, but I don't hold any great hope for Ross Barkley anymore, which no. sounds really sad. Because yeah. he was that, that that I remember it was sort of like the 12, 13, maybe 13, 14 season when he was at Everton under uh, Bobby Martinez, wasn't it? Uh, he was the dog's brown bollocks. Oh, the brown yeah. shoes. He loved a, a navy trouser and a brown shoe, didn't he? Oh, he loved <laughs> and it, doing, yeah. doing this pose on the touchline when they missed a the chance. Oh. <laughs> he would always arch his back like a cat. <laughs> <laughs> Like Michael Jackson, sorry, that dance move Michael Jackson would do when he would like he would fasten his shoes into the floor, and then lean back, the old smooth criminal and whatnot. Jackson went forward though, so he was the, he was the anti-Jackson. God, he did go forward, didn't he? He defied the yeah. laws of gra- gravity, physics. What I'm trying to say, anyway. Um, apart from Ross Barkley, the big news this afternoon is Wolverhampton Wanderers related. I was asking the question, what is going on at Wolves, and then realised they've buggered themselves through FFP and can't spend any money this season, which means that manager, uh, former manager now, Julian Lopetegui, is off. I hope I said that right. Have I said that right, Lopetegui? That sounds right in my head. Let's go with it, yeah. Lopetegui. Lopetegui, of course, joined Wolves midway through last season with the club deep in a relegation battle, but he managed to not only steady the ship, but turn him into quite a good outfit. It looked like they finished in 13th place in the league. Um, apparently, well, according to Wolves' statement, the, the club and Lopetegui held extensive talks about their differences recently and have now decided to part ways. Wolves said in their statement, the head coaches uh, of the and the club have acknowledged and accepted their differences of opinion on certain issues and agreed that an amicable end to his contract was what best are the best solution for all parties and now Gary and I said Gary Lineker there Gary O'Neill has taken over on a three-year contract he's landed right on his feet after being let go by Bournemouth at the end of the season I put ruthlessly ruthlessly sacked in my notes there which I thought was quite fitting but now he's landing on his feet he was Wolves's top target he's got the job fair play to Gary O'Neill yeah um this whole thing really surprised me because when it first popped up the other day I was like hang on like what this this can't be performance related it, it has to do with the um are you saying about the money situation of it yeah he must have said come on there must be a couple of quid somewhere and they must have said to him nah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to sell to buy and even then if, even if you sold six you can probably only bring in two kind of thing he must have just been like i'm not i'm not subjecting myself to this yeah because like you said yeah he's studied the ship decent place finish i've always had like a weird little soft spot for Wolves for one of those teams where when they do alright I'm like oh go on Wolves yeah go on especially when they have Nuno I like Nuno's Wolves I like them is that just because his name Uh, sounds like a Teletubbies Hoover yes that's why yes exactly (laughs) I base all my football uh, decisions on BBC Toddlers TV Um, (laughs) I thought that you would like because of uh, Slick Mick yeah Slick Mick McCarthy was it um what season was it when he kept them up on the last day? I think it was um, 9 10 maybe? 
Where the yeah. was it? The beat Black. I don't know why I know this off the top of my head. The beat Blackburn at home three two. I think. And what was it? I Stephen it was Hunt. Stephen Hunt bending one in. I can. Remember. <laughs> I, I can just remember the. the and um, Mick just lifted up his shirt and said, me and him, we could be brothers, could be brothers, and just sent him on his way. And I was just like, Mick, you can't do this. You're amazing, but you can't do this. I'm surprised he got so much TV work that he did, Mick McCarthy, because some of the things he come out with, you just can't, you can't, you can't be saying that. Yeah, I think it was the 2010 World Cup where he called the keeper a tart while on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> But just looking at Wolves' transfer businesses, some of them signed uh, Matthias Kunha from Atletico Madrid, who they had on loan last season for €50 million. Euros. They've signed mm. Bubakar Traore, a defensive midfielder from Mets, for €11 million. Euros. They've got Matt Doherty back on a free transfer from Atletico. And they've signed Tom King on a free transfer, who's a 28-year-old goalkeeper from Northampton. That's the summer yeah, business so far. Doesn't ring a bell. Um... Going back to the other side of it, though, like you're saying about Gary Gary O'Neill landing on his feet, yeah, happy for him, but it, it it's kind of like a happy for you right now kind of thing because I don't think it's going to be a great season for them. Um, I didn't have them down as relegation candidates, but I do think they'll be in the mix. It's going to go one or two ways, isn't it? Either Gary O'Neill's yeah. going to get the best out the squad he has, which he did at Bournemouth so well, or all the wheels are going to fall off and the bus is going to go sliding down a hill without a rudder because that's what buses yeah. have. They have big rudders sticking out the back, don't they, Ross? Of course they do. Elsewhere in the football news this week, the Community Shield happened at the weekend. Football's kind of officially back domestically here over here in England. Cole Palmer opened the score for Manchester City with a stunning bender uh, with a was just lovely goal, wasn't it? Before a 111th minute deflected Leandro Trossard strike got the game to a penalty shootout. Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri missed their penalties for Manchester City who had Stefan Ortega in goal who while that penalty shootout was going on I mistook for a small boy. <laughs> he looked tiny in those nets, didn't he? <laughs> he? He did look small. I don't know if it's something about the occasion of Wembley, but the Wembley goals always look absolutely huge. It's those but nets when you get those nets that go way behind the the goal line itself. That's a, a it should make a goal look bigger, but it always does. Yeah, but he, yeah, like you said, he did look uh, diminutive Dimin- between those sticks. Very political there from you. Very political. Thank you. Uh, Things we learned, I guess, big talking points from the game first and foremost, I guess we covered it a little bit earlier on, was uh, Arsenal. I thought they've... they've, I know it's horses for courses, kind of, because of Gabriel's injury, Gabriel Jesus, that is. uh, But playing Havertz is the false nine, come centre-forward. Again, he proved he cannot finish his tee, but we've covered that already. I thought it was very interesting the way that Alvarez was used for Manchester City. He was sort of he was finding pockets of space like Gundogan would do. I thought he started a bit more advanced than what Gundogan would do. I thought Gundogan would obviously play a little bit deeper, but uh, bomb on like he would. But I think Phil Foden must be thinking, what have I got to do to get a regular starting place for Manchester City? Because surely he's the obvious answer, is he not, to replace Gundogan? Yeah, it's, it's very strange the Phil Foden conundrum because it seems like. Obviously, the last season or two, he really came into his own. We are like, oh, God, he's really good. But it seems like it was at least three seasons before that that they were like, oh, we've got this teenage sensation for Foden. Oh, watch out for Foden. And like you were saying, what must he be thinking if he's not done enough now to nail down a starting place? I don't think he ever will. I don't think he will either because Alvarez was signed as a striker and now he's been employed. Yeah. I read somewhere that Pep was employing him as a, a sort of calm uh, towards the end of last season with obviously the view of Gundogan leaving and this being the plan. But he was signed as a striker and Foden still can't get ahead of him. So I don't know. I don't get it. 
<laughs> Unless it's just one of those usual pep things where he goes a bit mad in front of a big game. Philip Lam is a like, CDM. <laughs> exactly. He's just like, oh, they'll be expecting this. Better pull one out of the magic <laughs> box of tricks. I don't know. And see what sticks. But, yeah. Strange. Uh, also strange is the new referee guidelines that they had to go by for this game, which included, but not limited uh, limited to, automatic yellow cards for kicking the ball away after a free kick is given, yellow cards for dissent, uh, a billion minutes of added on time, and players who receive treatment not being allowed to come back on the pitch for a full 30 seconds. Already that rule about leaving the pitch made no sense, and now they've made it make even little more little sense. You know what I'm trying to say? It's Ballocks. Michael Ballocks. Yeah, yeah, because I was surprised because I remember at points during last season when players were going off because they were saying you just got to go off at the, the nearest point and go around. And I'm sure that was getting binned off left, right and centre. It, it, it seemed a very, you know, fast and loose rule. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm always one of those that I'll, I'll wait and see after a few games and see if it makes a big change because um, these these are all like the minutiae of it it's not like the, the pass back rule when was that introduced late 80s was it, yeah. um, it it's, I don't think it's something game changing like that or billion minutes of additional time that's that, well, we're going to go on to that in a sec yeah if one of them is going to be game changed it is going to be that one because as a, as a football fan sitting there watching football for the last you know 25 years of my life I've never once felt oh we could have done with some more like not when your team's involved obviously if your team's chasing a goal and you don't get the goal you're always going ah oh, they should have given us a couple extra minutes of added on time but never watching a game as a neutral I thought oof they were a bit harsh on that stoppage time there I think we've been shortchanged as football fans here we need to have every single celebration timed to the exact millisecond every single time the ball goes out of play for a goal kick timed to the exact millisecond and that exact total time added on the end of the game and I've never once thought that but that looks like it's going to be a thing now I mean, on paper, I'm not against it, but like you said, it, it all depends what the run of play is like. And I'm just thinking, thank God Alex Ferguson's retired. Because <laughs> imagine, imagine Fergie time with these new rules. Games are going for four hours. <laughs> His watch would break every single game. They might be going like tapping on the top of it. <laughs> You'd love to go tapping the... <laughs> Just a finger with just loads of glass in the end of it. <laughs> um, so obviously this stoppage time thing has led on to the statement from Raphael Varane that was put on social media at the start of this week where he basically criticised the latest rule change about, because it's going to be implemented in the Premier League as well, and the EFL uh, tell them to add on the exact time for, as I said earlier there, lost to goal celebrations, substitutions, injuries, penalties and red cards. Varane said we had a meeting last week with the FA. They recommended from referees new decisions and rules from the managers and players we have shared our concerns for many years now uh, that there are too many games the schedule is overcrowded and it's at a dangerous level for players physical and mental well-being despite our previous feedbacks they have now recommended for next season longer games more intensity and less emotions to be shown by players what does that mean is that broken english is that like less emotion you know don't show when you're upset don't show too much joy when you score a goal yeah, I think it's saying it's kind of like like the way VAR kind of took taking a little bit of the euphoria out of a goal out of it. I think this is just another way to kind of like dampen it as well. What a it's shame! Like even if it is, what a even shame! Even if it is given, you can't really celebrate properly. I don't know. What a don't shame! Know. That's what the game's about, man. Anyway, Varane's statement continues. We just want to be in good condition on the pitch to give one hundred percent for our club and fans. Why aren't our opinions being heard? I believe it's important that we players and managers highlight these important issues as we want to protect the game we love and give the fans our best. It feels like another thing is being done to football just for the sake of doing a thing to football because the game wasn't broken before this season. It was absolutely fine. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, we we've said many times across these podcasts that there's too much football, um, and especially when your teams are flying and they're in all the competitions, and you start seeing players getting injured and fatigued, and it can derail seasons. Like you're saying, this does feel not this one as such, but it feels like it's part of the wider scheme of the controlling bodies thinking how can we get more money out of sponsors how can we get more money out of TV rights deals blah 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 without thinking of the welfare of the players uh, and hats off to Varane for but I'll do it literally hats <laughs> off to Varane for um, speaking out on it because yeah I can't disagree with anything he said there and he's articulated it very well considering it's not even in his first language so yeah I'm, I'm glad someone said something about it. Yeah, because I read something as well coming out the out of the uh, Community Shield that uh, if they added on the same amount of time for the Community Shield in every single Premier League game, you know, a ballpark, sort of not the exact sort of whatever time was added on, I can't remember now, off the top of my head, somewhere between four and five extra games a season would be played just in the Premier League because of more time added on if you added up all the time at the end of games. And that is going to take its toll on certain players who can't already deal with... Sunday, Wednesday, Tuesday, whatever, Saturday, you know, yeah. doing that all season long. I mean, yeah, I mean, it shows my frames of reference, but I'm just thinking, God, imagine Ledley King trying to play in this kind of new, <laughs> new system. Um, yeah, it's it's concerning. Hopefully, because these kind of things, you can see that they're trying to bring more of the, the sportsman-like element out of, into it. Take away the, the gamesmanship and try and get it concise and think that, no, players will soon fall you know, in line and we'll get a nice, concise game of football. It's not going to work like that, though, is it? Um, but what about when Luton, is... what about when Luton go at the Etihad, for example, and they're just, they're just expected to play like Manchester City and just go off? Oh, we got better, beaten by the better team. They're not, they're not supposed to try and manage the game to benefit them at all. It takes away a large part of what makes football interesting for me: game plans, exactly. tactics, and that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, unrelated, but it's like the other year when they changed the penalty rules for goalkeepers, where goalkeepers can't come off the line. I'm just like, ah, that's rubbish. That it's just given, it's it's tipping the scales in an unfair way so, I don't agree with like, that one Jarkins because I remember Jersey Dudek in that Champions League final and he took the piss <laughs> exactly and won us the Champions League so <laughs> um, considering you know, you know whoever's taking a penalty can run up and they can stutter and they can do all this I know they're trying to care that back as well but it's just lopsided and like the example you gave there like, like your Luton Towns going to Man City it's it, yeah it just seems a bit Unjust, especially if say that they're on course for a, a dramatic one-nil historic win, and it's like, oh no, you've got you've got another fifteen minutes, and they're bringing Phil Foden off the bench because Pep Guardiola doesn't know what he's doing with him. Oh, good luck, lads. Yeah, it's just like with the the playing field's not even to begin with. Does that make it not even on the field itself? If that makes any sense, because you got, mm. if you're a smaller team going to a bigger team, you've got a time waste. That's just part of the game. To make that unfair as well, it. it but it's all just it's all just to keep the big boys at the top and the little boys at the bottom, isn't it? Oh. Well, it's, like you said, gamesmanship is a big part of it. It's something that Liverpool don't do enough, and Newcastle have done to great effect. And oh no, no, it's it's, it. it's it's time wasted when Newcastle do it. It's game management when the other teams do it, but when Newcastle do it, it's very naughty. You're not allowed to do it. I've never had a problem with Newcastle <laughs> doing it, even when you're doing it against the us last season. I was a bit like, oh swines but you, you do need to do that kind it's of part stuff. of the game isn't it? it's part of the exactly. game exactly it is part of the game you, you can't as much as it annoys it when it goes against you you've got to do it it's the and other I jobs think... team to deal with it and overcome it is that not the, what the game of football's all about 
Well, exactly. It's like with um, continental players who are a bit more, let's just say, life on their feet and go down easier. I know in, in other football and cultures, they see the game as playing against the other team and playing against the ref as well. And that's why there's more of a diving culture in, in certain countries. But like you said, it's all part and parcel of what it is. It, it, this gamesmanship, you, you win by any means. If it's within the letters of the law, it's within the letters of the law, isn't it? So They're trying to make it like FIFA now for these kids. That's what they're doing. I'm 31 yeah. years old now, Jarkins. I'm a miserable old man. They're trying to make it You're... for the FIFA generation. <laughs> how, how was your birthday, by the way? Oh, a bit of a... Midlife crisis, Jarkins. Got myself a tattoo and drove supercars. The leather jacket's been ordered. Um, it hasn't really. I've not ordered a leather jacket. But I did feel like I've been going through a midlife crisis because I went and drove supercars for a day and also got a tattoo. I'm living, living la vida loca, baby. Well, that, that's fine. I got a tattoo last weekend just for the hell of it, and I wasn't celebrating anything, so... <laughs> Live your life. Live your life. Be free, as Belinda Carlisle once said. Ooh, heaven is a place on earth. Uh, <laughs> let's talk goalkeepers, everybody. First and foremost, Arsenal have announced that Matt Turner, the USA international, has gone to Nottingham Forest on a permanent transfer, which then must mean that uh, Henderson is staying at Manchester United. They sit on the bench behind mm-hmm. Onana. Bit strange there. He got long, a long time, a long time linked with a twenty million move to Nottingham Forest, where of course he spent a season on loan. Excuse me. And then of course, Arsenal are now bidding thirty million euros have agreed a deal I should say to sign David Rea from Brentford he will compete he would think with Aaron Ramsdale who I think will maybe keep his number one jersey but will have a man now properly breathing down his neck yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if Brentford try going in for Henderson then yeah Doing, like a big big triangle of moves um yeah I can't say I know too much about Matt Turner I was looking it up before this number one for USA uh, I think six or seven appearances for Arsenal last season. They were all in Europe, can't, weren't they, I think? Yeah, I can't blame him for wanting to move because he's a Forest, like, 45-year-old Wayne Hennessy, is it? Yeah, so that, uh, they obviously had Kaylor Navas on loan last season, but he's not gone back. Oh, God, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, because I think Henderson, was, he was on loan last season, got injured, and that made them bring in Kaylor Navas, and Henderson didn't, mm. didn't get back in the team. So, uh, it's... I don't know. It's it's odd, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know what to make about any of it. The the David Rea one is very interesting because Ramsdale was looking like becoming the real deal as a goalkeeper last season. Obviously, a couple of mistakes you could label at him being a reason for Arsenal dropping off like they did towards the end of the season. Um, David Rea, in terms of a ball playing goalkeeper, he seems to be one of, if not the best around, which is what obviously a yeah. lot of modern-day managers want, especially someone like uh, Mikel Arteta. That's why I guess they got rid of Leno, was a large part of that. Um, so what do you, who do you think will come out on top in terms of Ramsdale and Rhea? I don't know if it's a horses for courses thing. I don't know if it is a, if the share to Ramsdale's until he either drops a bollock or gets injured. Like like the old school way of doing it. Back, yeah. back in the old days, like the <laughs> 70s and 80s, where the share was yours until you were injured. Um I don't know though. Um, Brentford have got a hell of a decision to make. Like I was saying, there, I wouldn't be surprised if they went in for Henderson. I rate Dean Henderson. I quite like him. I feel a bit sorry for him because he's been a bit unlucky career move wise, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and like you're saying, one of the best in the league last season. I can't see him taking that number one shirt, at least not straight away. Not straight away, but Brentford have signed a goalkeeper this summer. 30-year-old Mark Flecken from Freiburg in the Bundesliga for 13 million euros. Is that mm. is Was he signed? I, I doubt it was just a 
be, yeah, be a backup for 30 million euros at a club like Brentford, surely. Especially when they've spent 27 million euros on Nathan Collins from Wolves. Yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it, with uh, goalkeepers. The it's hard. It's what I think it is the hardest position to properly get right. Um, again, going to my frames of reference with Liverpool. As soon as we brought in Allison, it changed everything. Yeah, and it just shows what a really good keeper between the sticks can do for you. Uh, to see him go for just thirty million seems a bit cheap considering the market as well. But Brentford must have been happy with the deal to let it happen. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Goalkeepers moving everywhere all of the time. West Ham corner. I've called this one. There's lots of stuff happening finally at West Ham. First and foremost, Man United have agreed to sell Harry Maguire to West Ham for thirty million pounds on Monday. West Ham made the thirty million pound bid for Maguire, with obviously his long-term future now in doubt in Manchester United after he was stripped of the captaincy. Part of the reason why Manchester United knocked back the offer was the belief that the West Ham board essentially couldn't offer the wages that Maguire would have wanted but West Ham basically said we can do that we'll change the contract slightly and now the uh, the two clubs have come to an agreement Maguire of course joined for £80 million in 2019 which means that Man United are making a £50 million loss at least maybe if you don't take um, wages and stuff into account uh, it was a world record move for a defender uh, from Leicester back then uh, made the most expensive defender in football history at the time I think everyone was saying he's just come off the back of a fantastic Fantastic World Cup. He looked the dog's bollocks for Leicester. It's a sign that makes complete sense. But this, the, it's, I feel bad for me because I still think there is a good player in there. I just don't. I think it's a case like uh, not too much, like to uh, as much as an extent, like Johnny Evans. Johnny Evans is a fantastic defender. He's just not Man United top of the Premier League level centre half. If that makes any sense, I think Maguire's. Yeah. I think Maguire's sort of like your fifth, sixth, being a standout there. And he's just not the tippy top. No, and. I think you were saying the other week, isn't it, that the um, whether knowingly and properly or not, his ego seemed to inflate a bit, obviously, yeah. as you would if you were just told that you're the world's most expensive defender. Ever in football history. Yeah. it has. I think this move, though, despite United making a 50 million loss, but they're just mad with their finances, I think this is a move that suits everybody well because uh, Ten Hag clearly didn't fancy him if he stripped him off the captaincy. I don't know if he was a disruptive influence in training or in the locker room, but he seemed desperate to get him out of there. Um, for West Ham, I think if you're playing him and Kurt Zuma in the back four, I think, like you said, there's, there's still a player in there. I think, is he is he 29 or 30, isn't he? Near on 30, 30 yeah. 30, 31, I think, at the beginning of next year, maybe. I think he's a decent enough player. Um, I think he just kind of needs to... This again, again sounds arseholeish, but he needs to, he needs to be brought back down to earth a bit. I think he does um, as well. When you watch that, was it against Hungary, scored a goal for England or Lithuania or someone like yeah. that. He's put his fingers in his ears like, ooh, this goal against the minnows of Lithuania, whoever it was, that'll shut up the doubters. That sort of stuff certainly crept into him, I thought, I think. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move for him as well because West Ham ended last season how I thought they were going to start last season I, I thought West Ham were really going to have a very good year last year and it was up and down until the Conference League win obviously with some of the moves West Ham have been making already as well it looks like they are trying to well we're in West Ham corner we'll go on to them in a minute but it looks like they are trying to properly plan their transfers rather than just a kind of scattergun approach yeah, um, yeah I think it's a good move 
It'd be interesting as well because I, I, watching England, I think Maguire works a lot better in a back three as like that mm. left side or maybe the centre centre back, if that makes any sense, than he does in a, a, a back two. I think he gets found out too much in a back two centre half pairing, especially now that he's getting on a bit as well. I say getting on, he's still younger than me, but that's that's different. You know what I'm trying to say? I think it would be interesting if West Ham changed for him to get the best out of him because it seems like in a back three where he can step out and be a bit more expressive, he seems a lot more at home doing that tactic that that formation big old slab head as they call him yeah i can't wait to see him on a corner from delivered by james ward prowse because west ham have bid 30 million pound for him as well today kieran at work was telling us today that uh, southampton rejected because he's a southampton fan the southampton rejected a 30 million offer but now they've accepted a 30 million offer so something's gone on in the background there that we're not too sure about i think it's a good signing i don't think he's as good as a lot of people say he is james ward prowse i think he was the best player in a very bad team last season and in previous seasons that Southampton have been when he's been the captain obviously his free kicks and his set pieces speak for themselves but you're looking at a centre midfielder trying to trunk, uh, control the game I don't think he's that guy I just don't I don't I think he's very a bit not very but a bit overrated personally I, I heard someone and this is a bit damning but I can't disagree with it when they were talking about James Ward-Prowse saying that obviously when teams go down and there's like a handful of players where you're just like well they're not going to play in the championship they'll be straight back in the premiership with James Ward-Prowse I think he was on the fence you'd be like oh no I could see him playing the championship next year again 30 million Southampton have done I was going to say they've done well there but I'm not too sure um, well, they had they had initially slapped 50 million or 52 or 53 million on his yeah, head they were never getting that no, yeah, never ever never getting that. even though he probably is as important as that price tag would say he is to them if that makes sense like yeah. he is a 53 million pound player for Southampton but nobody yeah. else. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, again, I, I, yeah, a, a decent enough sign. And like we were saying, it, it seems like they've got, they've got a a plan in mind. They do, because they're also apparently in for Scott McTominay, along with Harry Maguire from Manchester United for £30 million once again. And the big one, I think, is Edson Alvarez from Ajax, who's currently undergoing a medical before joining on a five-year contract for about £34 million. This is a guy who got linked with Newcastle not so long ago, so I took a little bit of an interest in his YouTube highlight compilations. And he looks like the kind of player you'd want playing for your team, which, of course, everybody does. Even Brian Howard of Barnsley in YouTube compilations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those, and that when you hear, oh, we're linked with a player from Ajax, and you're just like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> yeah, I can't say can't say I know much of him, but if if you're saying that his YouTube highlights suggest that he he will be a good sign, it would be a good sign. And McTominay is a player I like, but even I was saying that James Ward Prowse for thirty million seems a bit fair. I think McTominay for thirty million seems a bit high. It does, but obviously the market is insane at the moment so it's hard to say what anyone's really worth he's so odd as well because for Man United he's like you know, obviously a big physical presence in the middle of the park he gets about the pitch he puts a tackle in but then for Scotland he's like he's like Gundogan he's, he's getting he's popping up with goals I don't know what's going on what is what is Scott McTominay he's a, a Scottish hero apparently he's the Scottish <laughs> Gundogan um, yeah I don't know because Again, like we were saying in a previous episode, he seems like this generation's John O'Shea or Gibson. Good players that will don't seem out of place in a squad that's going for honours. But in terms of would you start them week in, week out? Probably not. Um, again, a bit mean to O'Shea and Gibson because they, they won a lot with United. But 
like you were saying before, that Maguire doesn't seem, never felt like a Man United level centre back. It's one of those where he felt like squad player at best. Yeah, he's always going to give you 100%, but it's that, as Rafa Benitez would say, quality. Moving on. Quality. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I guess we've also got to say about West Ham Corner now that this talk of Moyes falling out with West Ham's new director of football, it's got to be wide of the mark now that they've... Because they've obviously got a lot of money in. I think they wanted to wait for the Declan Rice like, sort of hysteria to die down because there's always mm. going to be, now that everyone knows they've got £105 million extra in the bank, there's always going to be a bit of a tax added on for any transfer dealings they were doing. So I think it's been quite plotted in the way they've waited for that, you know, a month to pass and then do their moves, even though I think David Moyes would have been tearing his, his little ginger pubes out. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. His little ginger pubes out. Just wanting, obviously, his squad to be ready for the start of the season and not, like, sort of being still put together while the start of the season's going on. Yeah, the, the big one to me is still when Spurs sold Gareth Bale and it felt like they just went, oh, we've got this money, we need to sell it, what? Oh, we need to spend it even. And they just went and just got anything and tried to see afterwards if it would work. It does feel like, obviously, knowing that Declan Rice was going to go, I think, has given them the time to properly plan it. Um, and like we say with every transfer, we'll have to wait and see, but on paper, if it, West Ham's business looks good. Because you look at Rice out, and in terms of the midfielders, Ward, Prowse, McTominay and Alvarez in, I guess for 90 million and have sold Rice for 105. That's that's decent business, that, is it not? Yeah, it's a, it's a good turnaround, yeah. So, you know, injuries prevailing, etc., etc. On paper, yeah, it looks like they've done really good business. I don't think, you're saying about uh, David Moyes potentially falling out with the director of football. I don't think they'd back him to the hill like this if they'd had issues. So. Exactly. Uh, Manchester City, the West Ham outgoings do not look like they're going to stop. Uh, apparently Manchester City have made a verbal offer, whatever that means. Pep just ringing up, hello, David. <laughs> I want Pakatar. Puts the phone down. David Moyes is in shock. They made a verbal offer of around £70 million for Lucas Pakatar. Apparently Pakatar is not happy working under David Moyes and his, his tactics and his, his setup and his formations and whatnot and his voice concerns despite winning a European trophy last season apparently West Ham have turned down this verbal offer and I've insisted that they, they do not intend to sell Pakatar but if the right offer came in he's off so I don't know what any of that really means it's not a formal offer it's a verbal one yeah well, would this not be considered tapping up then yeah. or does tapping up just not <laughs> exist anymore I guess we didn't take place in a hotel in Soho it's not tapping yeah. up like Ashley Cole was. Or was it on Fleet Street? I can't remember what it was. It was somewhere in London. Fleet, oh, Fleet Street's where all the papers are, isn't there? Well, yeah. traditionally, yeah. Or Barbers, the demon barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> you know that one? You know that guy? Sweeney Todd? Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Sweeney Todd, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like that one's just... It, it might go somewhere. It might not go there. It feels like a weird one because he's more central than Mares. Uh Again, mm. we've got Phil Foden there in the sidelines going, what am, what am I going to do? You spend 70, <laughs> 70 million pound more on another guy in sort of his position. Maybe he plays a bit deeper than Phil Foden does Pakatar, but where does he fit into Manchester City? I don't know. I, I don't even know with Man City anymore because, you know, the, the, the age-old beaten stick that they'll sign 80, 40 million pound players and then, you know, next season sell 75 of them. Um, they can do what they want in terms of that Pep Guardiola is that good and that much of a maverick he's got that kind of maverick football and brain that he can mould players and like we said he, he does have the 
ability that if it doesn't work, he can sell them again. 17 million for Pakistan, again, seems a bit much, but like you said, European Cup winning season, not the European Cup, but a European Cup winning season. If he wants out, you'd think Moyes would be like, sound, leave then. I don't want any dis- disharmony in the dressing room, but I don't know what to make of City anymore. No, because I, um, I, I saw this news yesterday and I was like, they want Packard, he's been that good, has he? But then you read the stuff about trying to fit into Moyes' tactics. And I don't think David mm-hmm. Moyes has ever been set up to get the best out of a player like Luca Packard, has he? He's been. No, probably he, not. No. You know, you're, you're, you're Tony Hibbert and you. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, you're Gareth Barry's of the world hasn't, Gareth Barry was after he left wasn't he you know what I'm trying to say though more hard working players than fanciful players like Pakatar yeah um, yeah I, like you were saying it, it remains to be seen if this goes through because like you are saying that the use of the term verbal offer is odd it is odd um, how, how long have we got left of the window uh, like three weeks was it yeah been close to a month surely yeah it'd be the start of yeah. September wouldn't it so, who knows? There's, there's plenty more moves to be made, ladies and gentlemen. There is. Tell me why Liverpool won't just pay Southampton £50 million uh, if they really want Liver. Why Why won't they do it? They've offered so far 35 45 42 but they won't offer 50 even though Southampton have said, please give us 50 It's really annoying now. Um, it's... Obviously, this is more down to the the transfer teams, I think, rather than our owners saying, "Oh, is is this money for this player we've never heard of?" But you know, kind of thing. Yeah, why are we farting around? Liverpool were usually quite good at getting deals done quietly and quickly, like Dominic Zobersly. We just went, "Oh, he's available. We'll have him." Fabinho, famously, the year we went, "We'll have him." This is ridiculous. It was Jamie Carragher tweeted the other day saying, "This is embarrassing." Now. Yeah. Yeah, I, either you don't think he's worth fifty million, in which case move on, or he is worth fifty million, then pay it. Uh, and this is coming the same week that apparently the reason we backed out of the Kefram any deal for Kefram to Ram because we thought forty million was too expensive. In, like, the, in today's is, market, though, it's not, is it for him? No, not not at all. Especially when the report said that we were going to have a two hundred and fifty million pound war chest. Um, and obviously we've spent some of that money but we've also shaved a lot off the wage bill and brought in what close close to 60 million without goings mm. so out of that 250 million war chest that's the old Liverpool net spend we probably only used about 30 million quid yeah I saw a tweet saying with Liverpool why are we being ran like Accrington Stanley it's it, it's the lack of transparency which just is driving his mental even Gary ne- Neville was coming out saying if you're Liverpool, you're going in for Moises Casado. Why are we farting around, haggling over two or three million for a largely unproven teenager? It's if Klopp likes him, I will I'll put my faith in Jurgen Klopp because he's a fantastic manager that has, you know, made me see things I thought I'd never see. But this is getting ridiculous now. We're going into the season without uh, a number six. We've known about his name being linked with us for ages now before Henderson and Fabinho went. So not only have we got to bring in him, we've, you know, arguably got to bring in another midfielder as well, and ideally a left-sided centre-back. So it's just frustrating. I'm just looking at the midfield options you've got. You've got Bacetic, who I think is injured mm-hmm. currently, isn't he? Yes, he's, I think he's back in training. Obviously, you've got McAllister's in there, so there's one you've got definitely for the start of the season. Curtis Jones, Thiago, is he 
fine. He's just just back in training, but you can only probably guarantee ten matches a season. Yeah, you got Sabasly, I guess, as a fourth option, and then Harvey Elliott, I guess, you can throw in there as a centre midfielder. Mm. Gakpo, maybe, but he's not mm, really, yeah. is he? <laughs> We've, we've been trying Gakpo in the number 10 in some of the preseason stuff and with Harvey Elliott he much prefers playing more in that kind of kind of in the front three but not quite he's mm. still technically a midfielder but you know he just wants to bomb on um, we were with um, Bacetich last season we were trying to play him as a number 6 and he looked sound but... I thought he looked good there was a game away at Villa where he started yeah. I think and he looked really good I thought but in terms of the amount of minutes he's got, he's pretty much got a similar amount of top flight game time as Romeo Lavia. So some people are just like, if we're going to be spending the money, why are we buying something that we've kind of already got? Why would you not go for someone a little more proven? Or if we've got all this money burning a hole in our pocket and Chelsea haven't got Casado over the line, why aren't we just diving in there? I don't know. I don't know. But it's... Uh, even though I said before Liverpool finished second, it still is Brown Trousers time. <laughs> We're also being linked with, I think, is it Andre from Fluminense? I've not seen anything of him, but he plays in Brazil and he's got a moustache, so he must be mustard. Has he really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I need to have a look at this. Oh, he has got, he's got a little goatee. Depends what, I guess mm. it depends what day of the week it is. He's got a goatee or the moustache. Oh, it's a, I like the look at him. I like the look of yeah. him. I don't know why, but yeah. I do. Uh, Harry Harry Kane, not Harry Maguire. Bayern Munich have had their club record transfer bid for Harry Kane turned down by Spurs. It's the third time they've gone in. It's a hundred million euros, which is eighty-six million pounds. Is that enough for Harry Kane for you? In this market, no. Um, because we're going to come on to a, a, another another story in a minute, and the money being thrown around there is a bit wild, but. For, for a team the size of Bayern, who I know obviously the, the German setup is different and the way teams are funded and financed is different. And like this is saying, this, this would have been a record for Bayern, which is uh, mental. But 86 million does seem a bit cheap in this market. Yeah. Especially 86 million for, pounds, that is. For Harry Kane, yeah. Um, I, I just love the fact that Daniel Levy is such an evil bastard. Like, if I was a Spurs fan, I'd be not over the moon with Levy in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of Harry Kane, I'd be over the moon because any other owner, I think, would have cashed in a long time ago. But he's clearly hedging his bets on Spurs without Europe this season, having a very good Premier League campaign under Postacoglu. Uh, Madison feeding Kane, getting 30 goals again, and then Harry Kane going, well, there's less teams in for me this summer than there was last summer. I guess I'll just sign a new two or three year deal with Spurs. And that's last year's record then in his sights. It is. It's gone. It's, I think it's gone anyway. I think we're this, we're this close because this, there was that story last week, wasn't there? Saying that if we got to the start of the season, Harry Kane was still at Spurs. Harry Kane is going to stay at Spurs for the season. I think we're that close to the season now. He's just going to stay there. I've, I, I, Harry. He's, he's taken it. He's taken Shearer's record, and I'm at peace with it now. He's a fantastic footballer. Still not as good as Shearer because obviously Shearer overcame three career-ending injuries to still achieve what he did and Harry Kane's not had that yet it's still to come hopefully but uh, Harry Kane will be the leading Premier League goal scorer of all time yeah 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 not not much more to say this because this this has been rumbling on for a few weeks um, I could see him like I, I can picture it in my head him playing for Bayern Munich and absolutely banging him in but if Tottenham don't like the offer then they don't have to sell him do they so. I just I think he would rather ha- he would rather be the leading Premier League goal scorer than have a Bundesliga. I think that's what the decision is, and I think he'd rather have the goals record. 
It's not yeah, like, especially after, it's, it's, especially it's, after it's, trying to claim some the other year that definitely weren't his, and it's like grow up, man. <laughs> uh, is a Bundesliga that appealing to you though? It's not appealing to me. It's not, but you're guaranteed some kind of glory and probably a sniff of the Champions League, the semis at the very least, probably. Mm. So he's, been, it, he's been there before. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, luckily he didn't turn up on the big stage that night. <laughs> um, a, a night in which um, I nearly threw a stool across a pub. <laughs> Do you mean what the thing you sit on or the thing that comes out of you? Oh, uh, the thing you sit on. Oh, thank um, God for that. Well, yeah, it's better than me throwing a human turd across a pub. Um, it, yeah, in the, in the Champions League final, when we put that that penalty away, like I turned around, one of my mates was just in tears, and my initial instinct was just, oh! I just picked up a stool, and I just went, I've picked up a stool here, I'm going to put this back down. <laughs> so. What a responsible man you are. But just in case yeah. you were wondering, uh, Bayern's previous like record like uh, money paid for someone uh, was for Lucas Hernandez in 2019 when they paid 85, sorry, when they paid around, what was it? I can't remember what it was now. But it was in 2019 when they paid for Lucas Hernandez. That was the previous record. And then Spurs' previous outgoing was Gareth Bale to Real Madrid, for 85 million in 2013. Do you remember how bat poo crazy 85 million sounded back then? Yeah. It's 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 the new 30 million, is it not? 85, 90 million? Yeah, it's 2013 as well. I'd forgotten it had been that long, but at the time that was like, Jesus, that's a lot of money. And as we saw before, I I'm, I'm watched that United sign Harry Maguire for it was 80, 80 85 million. million. 85, yeah, yeah somewhere. It's peanuts in this modern game. It's peanuts, I tell you. Speaking of peanuts, £72 million has been spent by Manchester United on Atalanta striker Rasmus Hoyland. 20 years old. He scored nine from 20 starts in Serie A last season. He's got six and six for Denmark. I saw a little stat because obviously, obviously people have been going nine goals last season, £72 million. That doesn't add up. That's pounds as well, by the way. But in terms of being 20 years old and league goals scored, he's up there with the most goals ever in European football in terms of league goal score by the age of 20. He's up there with Harry Kane and people like that. So I think, no, not Harry Kane. Harry Kane got two goals, but he was 20. He's up there with everybody else. Because obviously Harry yeah. Kane was a bit of a late bloomer, wasn't he, Harry Kane? But yeah, th- this is what I was saying before. When you're in this market where someone who is, he, as impressive as those stats are, he is still a prospect at 20 years old. Yeah. When he's going for seventy-two million pounds, you can completely understand why Spurs said, "No, you're not having Harry Kane for eighty-six million pounds." Um, again, I'll wait and see. Uh, I didn't realise because I remember when when this first went through, and I heard that number, I was like, "That's a bit much." This is this seems like one of those Mad Man United moves that they like to make. But if he can back up those stats and improve on what he's already done, who knows? This could, this could be a shrewd bit of business, but. Could be, but there is a big question mark, isn't there? Seventy-two is seventy-two millions high, and, and that is that's so, that's United ruling themselves out of a move for Kane this summer as well. Yeah, so. you'd rather have Kane, wouldn't you? In the short in the short term, at least. I mean, Hoyland could become a very good player. We know that, but uh, you'd rather have Kane, wouldn't you? If you're sat here now, given the choice between the two. Yeah, proven, especially in this league as well, because. Uh, it's, it's the old the old cliche, isn't it? Oh, played in the Italian league. Let's see what they're like in the English league. So. Yeah, elsewhere in big transfers this week, Robert Sanchez went from Brighton to Chelsea for £20 million on a seven-year deal. Um, he seemed like the dog's bollocks before De Zerbi came in, then just De Zerbi didn't fancy him. So off he's gone to Chelsea. I guess he's going to compete and hopefully take the place of Kepa for Chelsea's sake because I think Kepa is awful and I can't believe he's still there. I think he's awful. 
I've just read, read as well, seven-year deal. Chelsea, how has no one looked into these Chelsea deals yet? It's, it's coming, it's coming. It's guaranteed to be it's, coming. Like I keep saying, in this market, 20 million for a 25-year-old, that's that's a good bit of business, I think. You go back two years, though, and he was one of the leading lights in terms of goalkeeping in the Premier League. I don't know what, obviously, Deserby didn't fancy him, but surely it there's got to be more than just that have gone on for this to have happened. Surely. Mm, mm. Well, we we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, do we, Ross? No, we don't, and we can't pretend that we do either. Manchester City, just to round off the big deals of the week, have obviously signed a centre-back they don't really need, do they? If you're going to come down to brass tacks, they don't really need a, a, a 77.5 million centre-half called Gavardiol from RB Leipzig. A five-year contract for him. He is the dog's bollocks, we all know this. He's Croatian, he wants to play with Kovacic, I think was a, part, a big reason as to why he signed. It's... It's just not fair, is it? <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I think they're gonna. I don't think they'll win the the title at a canter, but I think it'll be comfortable because he's he's just boss, isn't he? He's yeah. such a good player. Um, obviously, obviously, uh, Liverpool got linked with him. Whether there was any actual link or if it was just websites trying to get clicks from desperate people like myself is another thing. <laughs> and we thought, ooh, the idea of, in a couple of years' time, Gradiol and uh, Ibu Kanate marshalling that Liverpool defence. Beautiful, beautiful. But City, in it? Yeah. That's a great signing. Him and Diaz as a two. Oh, yeah. that's, that's bestiality. That's, that's not bestiality. Not nice, is it? Why did I say bestiality? They're, they're, they're a pair of beasts, is what they are. We'll move on from that. The highlight of the week is another segment we do on the Holding Gear Football Podcast. Mine, I'll go first this week, is Chloe, Kennel, uh, Chloe Kelly's penalty for England to send them through to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Have you seen it? Because the highlight for me is not just the run-up, but it is the Thunder Bastard into the top corner. Just in case you haven't seen it, it's a run-up unlike any you've ever seen before in football history. I've compared it to the skip of the hop skip and a jump that a triple jumper does it's the eat the prolonged the elongated skip in the middle one bounce twat top corner it's one of the best penalties i've ever seen and also the sort of context of the situation because watching that game in the office like we were the other day england were lucky to get through obviously injuries to the likes of uh Beth, oh my God, I've forgotten her name now. Beth, Beth Mead, beg me pardon. Uh, Beth Mead and stuff before the tournament, the injuries that are happening during the tournament, the red card to Lauren James in a moment where she should have stamped a bit harder. If you're going to do it, just stamp harder, why don't you? <laughs> the back's against the wall. Nigeria probably should have gone through, but they didn't. And the fact that she did that for the penalty to get them through, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, I was trying to keep up with this on uh, Twitter because... I, I try not to actively use Twitter anymore, but it's such a resource for News. work that yeah. I'm, I, it's it's it, it's on. And I was in I was in my uh, my office space in town because I'm not always here because I need to get away from my cats in my house sometimes. Um, and for some reason, every time I was clicking it, I was just somehow linked into kind of African Twitter. So it was just people just saying, "Ah, oh, England, are, England are poo, aren't they? I hope these go out. I nearly saw there." <laughs> um, but yeah, that. Penalty, it was beautiful. Like I said, at first, when I first watched it, I thought, oh, she skied this because it was proper top ends, wasn't it? Angled, but, I think the word is, isn't it? Angled, yeah. This is talk about bestiality, Kurt Angled. It was Kurt Angled <laughs> into the corner. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic panel. Yeah, that was my highlight of the week. What's yours? Well, mine was uh, Raphael Varane's tweet. Um, I've got another one. It's it's a bit wanky, and I've gone for this. wasn't this week; it was the week before. But because we've had two weeks since a proper podcast, I'll allow it. And it is a bit of wanky Schadenfreude. 
and it's from uh, Everton's Bill Kenwright. So, <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear what this is because I don't know what's coming here. <laughs> so a video clip came out and he was getting, it was getting the piss ripped out of it because he was talking somewhere. It looked like it was some kind of do. I don't know if it was an Everton event or a speaking engagement, but he talked about one of the greatest nights of his life happened at Goodison. And it was watching Tony Bellew fight. And everyone just went... <laughs> Everyone, he's not even picked anything football related. That's fantastic. Like, I've got a soft spot for Everton. When I started getting interested in football, it was an arms race between my dad, who's a red, and my brother, who's a blue, to claim me. And my brother got tried to get there first, took me to my first game and stuff, but he was literally the only Everton fan I knew. The rest of my family were all reds. So I do have that soft spot for Everton in my heart because I'm just like, they're all right, the Ev, but this was, you couldn't make it up. You could not make this up. I'm just Googling how long he's been on the board or, like, you know, associated with the runnings of Everton Football Club just to see how many football memories he could have picked in favour of Tony Bellew. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everton Football Club, uh, 1989 is when he was on the board for the first time after he uh, succeeded Littlewood's director, Philip Carter. Yeah, so what? They they won FA Cup 95? Yep. Then beat Blackburn in the Charity Shield. So it's it's neither of those wins. They're not up the there. The European Knights got... under Moyes, the relegation yeah. escapes of the late nights, I guess you could throw in there as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it all pales in comparison to seeing Tony Bellew fight. <laughs> what a tit. <laughs> I know, it's... It, like I said, it's a bit of schadenfreude. It's a bit of fun. I was giggling at it, but... For for the for the handful of Everton sporting fans I do have, I I can't wait till they get him out of the club because <laughs> he's just rubbish. I was watching that uh, that fan debate thing that the overlap do Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher where they have all the representatives from the clubs in, and that the, the Everton fan was saying they're going to sell on to somebody else, and then somebody else is going to sell on, and then when they do that second sell on, that's when the Evil get back on track. So that's when they'll have money again. So mm. are you looking forward to Bill Kenwright leaving? Would you not rather he stayed there for as long as possible? Him and him and uh, Bashir, well, Farhad Mashiri, whatever he's called. Yeah, because it, it all went a bit weird because I think the heads of the board stead, stepped down this summer and it looked like Mashiri was going because I think he's under investigation for certain things. This is all allegedly, just in case the lawyers are on it, <laughs> but I'm sure he was under investigation for something. And people were being like, oh, finally Kenwright's going to go, but he's just... He's like a cockroach, isn't he? He's just... <laughs> He's going to cling on um, because when that stadium's complete, despite they have actually built it on water, it's going to be great for the city. And I like the fact that the city has two Premier League level teams in there. Mm. Like it's 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 good. It's good for the locale. I, d- I never want to see Everton beat Liverpool, and it was the most Everton thing ever that they did beat us. But it was in the COVID season, so there was no fans on the ground to see it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's. It's an odd situation, especially the amount of money they spunked these last few years. Yeah, it's all catched up with them. I reckon they'll go down. Just another spoiler for my Premier League predictions. I think they'll be the 18th team in the league. That made no sense. The first, the first loser in the relegation fight, 18th position. That'll be Everton this season, I reckon. Anyway, I we go. For, I wouldn't oh, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see it. Yeah, they've got to sign more players. Anyway, we go from the highlight of the week to the twat of the week. Would you like to go first, since you are arguably the smaller twat of the pair on this podcast? It depends what day it is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, personally, Liverpool's recruitment team, this isn't a Liverpool podcast. I'll have to go for Lauren James. 
like you said, she's hell hell of a tournament so far. That volley against China was oh, beautiful. Velveteen. <laughs> it was liquid football, as they Imperious. like to say. Imperious. <laughs> but as you alluded to, is the the stamp on Michelle Alozi uh, in the, the the match with Nigeria, and you don't want to see it happen. And there's a chat about role models, about impressionable kids, the fact that there's more eyes on this World Cup, especially in this country, than ever before. But like you said, if you're going to end your tournament early and lash out in frustration, do it properly. <laughs> like, the, the fact that as soon as she did it, Lucy just kind of went, what are you doing? It's that, still, doing? it's that still picture where it's mid-stamp, the studs are in the back, and she's just on the floor going, <laughs> she should be screaming in agony. <laughs> what what's the line from Sean Connery in the uh, Untouchables? Is it uh, they send one of ours to the hospital, we send two of theirs to the morgue? And it's like it's, it's that <laughs> if you're gonna go down, go down swinging. Yeah. Um, but again, um, Michelle Alozi, I'm probably saying her name wrong. I apologise. Her reaction on Twitter. Have you, have you seen what she tweeted afterwards? I haven't. No. She pushed put, I beg rest. We are playing on the world stage. This game is one of passion, insurmountable emotions and moments, or respect for Lauren James. I was just like, brilliant. That's yeah, what fair enough, yeah. Yeah. That's not and, what I would have responded. That bitch, I hate her. I hope she gets <laughs> I hope she burns in hell for doing that to my back. That's what I'd be like. <laughs> Going into that locker room swinging. <laughs> but yeah, it's we don't want to see stamping in football, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah, you got to do it right, haven't you? We've all been there. Russia blood, all that sort of stuff. My twat of the week is the person in charge of Manchester United's social media game. Uh, this week, Manchester United released their third kit. It's... It's quite nice. Excuse me. The chicken wings are coming up from lunch. It's quite nice. It's a nice white number. They've replaced the traditional badge with just the red devil part of the traditional badge. It's all red. But the guy who shared the tweet... And I don't know if this came from Adidas or if it's just a thing by Manchester United themselves. The first line of the first Twitter share, it read, it's not too late to say no. And in completely unrelated news on the same day, Mason Greenwood was pictured training for the first time at Carrington. I don't know if it was at Carrington, actually. He was kicking balls into a net. It's just the combination of those two things. Bit tone deaf, isn't it? Bit tone deaf. Yeah. It's one of those where they needed someone to look it over first and go, ooh, hang on, hang on a minute. Maybe it isn't an Adidas thing then, because surely someone who works for Man United and knows what's going on and what has gone on, they wouldn't put that out there, surely. It feels like this is like a, a tagline they agreed on in a boardroom months ago. And they're like, right, we're launching it, let's do it, let's do the the campaign with was it Roy Keane, wasn't it, in the shirt, actually looking happy. <laughs> uh, and then, unfortunately, it has happened to line up with... Yeah, Mason Greenwood back yeah. in training. Just the same day. Not a great look. Not a great, not look, a great look. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Bunch of twats. Anyway, we move on now to the mailbag, the Roberto Mailbagio. Ross at holdandgive.com if you want to send your mailbag in. If you're failing week on week, I don't, shouldn't say failing. If you're not having your mailbag picked, your mailbag submission picked every week, keep trying. It's a busy mailbag. We're getting there. Thank you very much for all your support. All that bollocks. Corporate hold and so uh, Sergeant Give. And I said social give there. Sergeant Give, would you rather be Corporal Hold or Sergeant Give? Well, you're running the ship, so surely you're Sergeant. Sergeant's higher than Corporal, isn't it? Oh, is it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be Corporal Hold. You can be Sergeant Give. Up oh, the Gibbs. Uh, what's the best pie you've ever had at the football? I was down at York City last season, and their chicken and mushroom warmed the cockles of my heart. All the best. Loving the podcast. And that's from Dean and Carlisle. Thank you, Dean and Carlisle. Now then, 
I've got to say, I've only ever had one pie at the football, but it was a toe curler. And I mean that in the best possible way. You only get a bit warm and you're a bit like, oh, and your body just does that. I bit into, and I was pissed as a fart when it happened. I was 16 years old. I shouldn't have been drinking. It was a terrible time. Um, I was at Blackburn Rovers in the 08-09 campaign. And at halftime, I was dying, and I needed something, some sort of sustenance just to, you know, help sober up, just make that feeling of horrible sickness that accompanies a drink go away. And their chicken balti pie was unbelievable. This was back in two, the early 2009. I think we got humped 3-0 on the day. <laughs> but the chicken balti pie was... It made the trip worthwhile. But that's my, you, only, you, that's, that's my only point of reference for a pie at the football. You'd hope they had good chicken with Venkies being involved. But I think that, it was it sounds... was it was pre Venkies, I think though. It was a pre Venkies. Yes. What? Goodness knows what the fair was like after the takeover. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, that sounds lovely though. I actually yeah. quite want one now. Oh, it was delightful. What was your? I imagine you you have been quite frequent with the pie intake at football. I I do, I do like a good pie. It, it it depends on the type of match though. Like if if it's if it's cold or if it's a nighttime match, I'm definitely going in for a pie. Otherwise, I might go for, you know, I, I had a burger once at Tramia. That was a mistake. Um, <laughs> it was a long time ago. But um, in terms of actual pie, I tell everyone, if you're going to Anfield, jib the official in-stadium dining experience. There's a community bakery over the road called Home Baked. Uh, it's won awards. They've got a pie hatch on the side. But you go there, get yourself a scouse pie, which is just stew. Stew in a pie. Swat a load of brown sauce on it, mix it up, fantastic. Um, that's, yeah, really good. I remember having uh, a weird, I had a hot dog once at Goodison, which had those crispy onions on it, but they were basically black and it looked like I had toenails on the, on oh. the hot dog. But that was, <laughs> it was really nice. Um, that's the that's the only high experience I've gone for. Uh, I remember having my head burned out when I went to a Toronto FC game because people were getting like chicken parmigiano uh, in their seats delivered to them. And I was like, game's gone. The game's gone. The game but, has uh, gone, but it also looks, because I follow like footy scran on Twitter and stuff. When they oh, share, yeah. you can see there's, a, as they say, the kids say, Jarkins, there are levels to this game. And the Americans, in terms of their football food, are on a different level to what we have over here. Uh, I think I saw one, um, I think I saw it in Mundial because they print some in there as well and someone was I want to say they were at a game maybe in Mexico and the scran looked fantastic and probably cost about £1.50 but yeah I, I need to I need to get to more football in general this season because it's been a lean few years because one there was Covid and that and before that I was poor and so <laughs> now a couple more games um, get some pies in me and I'll, I'll report back. Tell you what, on that subject, I the, the way they're doing the memberships at Newcastle this year, it's already impossible to get a season ticket. I tried. It's impossible. But now the memberships, of which they've sold over 105,000 of the memberships, going for about ten to 15,000 tickets every home game, is now a ballot system. So you enter what category you want to be put into, like ticket price-wise. It ranges from 40 quid to I think the 75 is the most expensive for a single home game. And you put whatever price you want to go into, and then it's a, either a, it's a lottery, a yes or a no. Didn't get one for Villa, so it's going to be a long season, it looks like. 
great. We we knew we knew this was coming now, didn't we? Yeah, we need a bigger stadium. We need, honestly eighty thousand. We're selling out every week. The way the way it is at the moment. I know it might. There's yeah. gonna there's gonna be a lull period and that might drop off a bit. But the way things are now, you got this like I think it's like thirty four thousand season tickets at St James's Park, something like that. And then you got one hundred and five thousand members on top of that. It's <laughs> and a fifty two like fifty thousand seats when you take the away end out. It's impossible. Not impossible. I know, uh... Aiden, I know Aiden, our pal Aiden Gibbons went to the match the other day, but I think he got a ticket from a mate. I don't even think he was lucky in the ballot. So, yeah. best best of luck to you. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Anyway, back to the Roberto Mail Baggio. Hello, lads. Love the podcast. Is Callum hudson Adoy good or bad? I can't work it out. He's back at Chelsea at the moment, yet he doesn't appear to be getting a look in. Yet in the years before his loan to Germany, he seemed to have a big future ahead of him. What is a Callum hudson Adoy? best Daphne from London thank you very much Daphne I'm sure before we started recording here today Callum Hudson-Odoi is going somewhere but what is a Callum Hudson-Odoi while I'm looking for that I don't know like for me personally he's not good enough Uh, when I was looking this up he's older than I thought he was as well he's 23 in November I thought he was younger than that Uh, and like we I've said we're, we're, we're usually ones that go with our hearts and go for feeling rather than out and out numbers but numbers don't lie on this one 16 and 126 for Chelsea it's not good enough is it it's not is it and he's going to Fulham it's to Fulham he's going to Fulham loan or uh, permanent full, surely it'd be a full sale yeah full sale to Fulham I don't know how much for let me have a little look on Twitter see if Fabrizio has tweeted anything uh, but yeah he's going to Fulham again it's he looks like he's got all the bells and whistles to be a football player at the top level, but when it comes to doing the things to get you there, he yeah. hasn't. Like, he can't put the ball in the back of the net as we've gone through there. The, the assist isn't really what they should be. He seems like no. he seems like a Fulham sort of level player, if that makes any sense. So maybe pushing top half of the Premier League. I wonder if he needs maybe a positional change. Like um, As bad as Everton were last season, I thought Alex Iwobi was pretty good especially in flashes and that was now they've dropped him a little bit deeper perhaps it could be one of those that if they just try and drop him a bit deeper into the midfield then might unlock the potential that we've always thought he had yeah who uh, knows who knows the only thing I can see now is that Fulham are trying to get the deal done in the next 24 to 48 hours according to Sky Sports News so all the best to him. This could be another move where he's like a Harry Maguire, not like a tippy-top player that you would expect to come from, I know, not last season, but, you know, by and large at yeah. Chelsea and maybe a drop down the league a bit will do him. The world are good being one of the main men at Fulham, you would assume. The final male Baggio question this week. Hey, guys, if you were going for a Toby, who currently playing would you want to see the Toby belonging to? Personally, I reckon Jaden Sancho is one of those fellas with a metabolism to die for. He can put away serious scran for sure. He goes king size and doesn't go easy on the stuffing. Love it. Also, what do you have on your carveries? Bill from Birmingham. <laughs> Cheers, Bill. This is... The mailbag's going odd. It's taken a lot, it's taken a while, but we've got there eventually. <laughs> um, I mean, oh, Toby Carvery. Now I want a Toby Carvery. I love we're not sponsored by Toby Carvery. I if wish Toby we were. is out there, yeah, oh god, yeah. Imagine uh, that getting, a, getting a free king size every week. Imagine that. That would be the dream. I tell you what, I had a few years ago at Toby Carvery. Right, it's a Yorkshire pudding starter, but filled with nachos, beef nachos. So you got your Yorkshire pudding. It's the bowl. And you got the yeah. nachos inside of it, and you rip it off with the with the Yorkshire put. Oh, one of them. Which that I sounds realized, delicious. Yeah, really maybe good. a bit much if you're going for a, if you're going for the full the full trimmings afterwards. <laughs> it was. 
<laughs> one of my mates is a uh, like a strong man not like a victorian style one but he's just he's a unit and he, he goes to toby for his breakfast so uh that's... <laughs> we tried that what we got out of bed early especially one weekend and went to a toby carvery and then went straight back to bed upon returning home it was that big just all you can eat sausages for days it was fantastic <laughs> but which premier league or which current player would you love to see the toby carvery belonging to Right, um, this is gonna. It's it's the obvious one, and it's it's a bit mean. But Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw. <laughs> Imagine a tag team of me and Luke Shaw <laughs> running into that Toby Carvery. There'd be gravy up the walls. There'd be pandemonium. It'd be it'd be like two Tasmanian devils in a world of roast potatoes. I'll tell you that for free, Ross. <laughs> Are you saying he's a fat man? Well, I can't say anything. I'm not a professional athlete, and I am a you know, I'm a fat man. I just wear bigger clothing and then grow into the clothing, and then have to lose weight. Um, but yeah, you know, he's 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 he's, he's bigger than Jaden Sancho. I'll be diplomatic and put it that way. Um, but as uh, as Bill was saying there as well, what what do we have? You've got to go king size. That means you get the two depends on the, your two sausages on the side and two Yorkshire puddings, which is crucial. Of course, I, I get everything but mash. Unless, like, I'm very particular with mash. It's got to be the right consistency, not too creamy. If someone says, "Oh, creamy mash," I'm like, "No, I don't want creamy mash. I want to be able to sculpt out of it, but I don't want it lumpy." So I, I just stick with the roasties. I hate mash. Hate it. Did you hate mash? Hate yeah. mash. I used to get made smash fairly regularly as a child, and it put me off proper mash as an adult. <laughs> I can just imagine you just being like, "Can I have a sandwich?" And like, you won't be like, "No, nah, you're, you're having a bowl of mash." Me grand turns into Badger from Bodger and Badger. <laughs> I went out with a weird goth when I was a teenager who just wouldn't eat, and then occasionally she'd just be like, oh, "I'm just having, I'm just gonna have a plate of mash for tea," and oh. she'd have mash with salt and vinegar. Um, I hope you ran away from her very quickly upon learning this information. We, we were on an offer for you. <laughs> 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 I just imagine uh, her tying you up and then feeding you mash even though you didn't want it <laughs> yeah I'd be like not this mash it's the wrong consistency um, what meat are you yeah. getting at the Toby Carvery though what meat are you going for it depends on the day because uh, I'll go with Shah, my girlfriend who's a, a very diminutive wee woman was a vegan for many years but eats like a 55 year old Brexit voter <laughs> loves a bit of gammon loves it up the corned beef <laughs> She she loves yeah any kind of awful no she doesn't eat awful but she'll be like oh let's go to a Toby Toby I really want gammon uh, I think last time we went I went I went turkey beef and lamb I think last time I always find the lamb a bit too fatty at the Toby Carvery that's the one place I won't have lamb it was a bit fatty but lamb's my favourite roast uh, and people usually call me boring for turkey but I've, I've got a sweet tooth and I like a bit of cranberry sauce in there don't I mm. but who who are you picking for current footballers who you'd go well, I'm trying to think of who is the sort of like. Do you remember? Um, oh my God, I've forgotten his name. Oh God, it Wigan Paul Schneider. Do you remember like the rock and roll football? Like, wow, I'm hardcore and that sort of stuff. Yeah, was it Paul Schneider? I'm trying to think of his name. Wigan Athletic. I'm just thinking of Paul Jewell. Paul Sharna. Was it Sharna? Paul Sharna. At Wigan, yeah. he used to dye his hair half and half different colours. He was crazy. I'm trying to think. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of who is the Monday equivalent to that. And even though I think Mitrovic has got his foot out the door, which would have been my first pick, I think his Fulham teammate Jao Paulinha is maybe the closest we've got because he's a tough tackling midfielder, and I reckon he puts a lot on his Toby Calvary. <laughs> 
Do you reckon? I thought you were going to go like Grealish because you know he's a man of the people. No, he doesn't do it properly. He's looking after his figure, isn't he? He doesn't do a Toby Carvery properly. Off season, are you telling me that? If you were a millionaire brummy with the world at your feet, you wouldn't be going for a car. I reckon he gets smashed on vodka on Grey Goose because he's conscious about the calories. <laughs> he's conscious about the calories, so he is. But in terms of my Toby Carvery, Bill from Birmingham, um, I go. F- I have to ask for the gammon, but get. I say I want honey glazing on every piece. I make that request mm. every time because I love. I love honey glazed gammon. But as I say, I went for the lamb for a period of time, but it's always a bit too fatty for me at the Toby Carvery. Turkey, yeah. no go, not interested. Don't even have it at Christmas. Too dry, not interested. Ma'am, I'll have a three-bird roast as a compromise. As a compromise. <laughs> no, I, no, I quite like a bit of tape, but like I said, I've got to have enough cranberry sauce to kind of lubricate lubricate the meat. Yeah, but in terms... I've been... Last couple of times I've been, they do like a cheesy potato thingy at Toby Carvery up here, and I've been putting that on there, even though it doesn't belong there, as well as, and it's controversial... Try this one on for size. The mac and cheese. I put the mac and cheese on my roast. But away from the gravy. It can't be mixed in with the gravy. That would be disgusting. I can't get on board with that. You got, you got that, blue, sort of, that blue sky thinking. I can't. I can't be doing that. You know that sort of thing that's been cutting uh, England off from uh, not Brexit, but the thing that's been cutting off England from the rest of Europe in terms of the heat wave. That sort yeah. of thing. You got to create that on your plate and then put the mac and cheese in one corner and put all the gravy covered products in the other corner. That's the top is that top. what you, you're using your um, your king size two extra sausages for as a breakwater? Yeah, big time. And the Yorkshire pudding as well. They they, they make stable craft. They do and absorb the gravy as it head towards it. It's it's a it's a tactical process. It's the building of a Toby Carvery. Let me tell you. One last question before we get too Toby Carvery heavy. With your Yorkshires, are you talking? Are you cutting them up and having them in the mix with everything, or are you a pick up and a dunker into the gravy? A cut. Knife and fork. Ooh. They're in the, the situation. Yeah. I always place them in the middle of the plate before I get the meat put on there. Um, so they're in the middle of the plate, and then you get the things assembled around them. They are the focal point of the dish. I have them on the side, dry, but then go in as like basically like an arm bread. I just go in with the. Uh, That's interesting. The I've never once thought to do that with the Yorkshire pudding, but it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, it's lovely. What a, what a note to end on. We've answered the big question already. Who's going to win the Premier League? It's going to be Manchester City. But Man I, City, yeah. I think Arsenal will get closer because I think they're, they're a lot stronger than they were last season. And I reckon City, as we're sat here on the 9th of August, are a bit weaker. You say that though. I mean, look at the Community Shield last year. Liverpool battered City. And we thought, oh, this is our year, lads. <laughs> Do you remember that when everyone thought Haaland was going to be crap? Because <laughs> he missed that yeah. one chance over the bar. Yeah, I, I know that I was laughing at the time. Um, <laughs> Man City are a weird beast because as good as they are, they do have a lot of luck and that, that comes with winning anything. You've got to ride your luck. I think it was the is one of the seasons when COVID was around and when City, basically, when their team got an outbreak of COVID, it was during the international break or the break at that point or there wasn't like any game, so it, wasn't affect, it didn't affect them. Whereas I know for Liverpool anyway, when we got a COVID outbreak, it was in the middle of a run of games, and just I, I just think they've got that hot streak, and I can I can't see it ending. I, I think they've just kind of, especially now they've broken that Champions League hoodoo, as they like to say in papers about football only. Now they've got that kind of monkey off the back. They'll just be like, ah, whatever, let's let's go for four this season, go for it, whatever, it doesn't matter, we'll yeah. win something. No team's ever done it, have they? Four Premier Leagues in a row. It's only ever been three. Your Manchester United, as Gary Neville likes to say. 
Well, yeah, before before last season, before a ball was kicked, I said, if it's not Liverpool win the league, I want anyone but City, because I think if they win this, we'll go Bundesliga. And before you know it, they'll have six or seven in, in a row. Uh... Horrible, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, we've gone from Toby Carvery to misery. Hey, that's never happened before, ever. Right, that was it for episode 11 of the Holding Gear Football Podcast. Thank you very much for watching. It is 11, but even though last week was a special, so technically it's 12. Yeah, I've, I've, I've numbered this as 11 in my little yeah, notes. I think it's just a regular podcast. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't already, please go and check out my video of the season predictions. You've heard Jackie Orlando's here in the podcast today. Compare and contrast ours. Make a note of them. Put yours down as well, and we'll see who comes out on top at the end of the season, eh? <laughs> it's going to bite me on the arse, isn't it? It'll bite all of us on the arse. We're all knobheads who know nothing about football, but we have cameras and voices and microphones, which gives us a license to make content about the thing we know nothing about. On that note, I've been Ross, he's been Jack, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>